Audio by Raising Free People Network. You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. This episode uh, is so that I can bring some new moon energies as I understand them to some of my mother work, uh, to the ways that I am understanding resistance, you know, continuing to, to understand resistance from the perspective of my daughters resisting things, sometimes resisting me, but, but other times resisting things that I feel like they should not resist, things that they should accept, things that it's important or healthy or whatever for them to accept. Uh, and if you've been rocking with us here, we, we've talked about versions of this thing many times over in past episodes in terms of resistance as a roadmap uh, and in terms of recognizing ourselves as oppressors potentially and sometimes really, you know, realized and named in, in our relationships with children. Um, particularly if we live with them. Uh, and so I am at this stage in my mother work when my daughters are 17 and 15. So at this stage, what does re- I'm looking at resistance and learning about resistance in particular ways that that I would not I would like to, I don't want any of this shit, but that I know <laughs> is an important part of my uh, continued capacity to raise free people and to be free myself. Uh, it's not that I like it, but I feel like I need to continue to struggle out loud because that's a lot of what I what I do. Um, just be like, yo, what the fuck? But out loud. <laughs> And I feel like you get that. And, and that's how a lot of our conversations evolve into things like the village or you message me or I see something you share or we get to meet in person, which is so precious these days in particular. Uh, you know, I'm flying to a whole nother fucking country or continent to meet you or to hang out with you. <laughs> Shout out to Zakia. Um, so, um, yeah, as I'm just being with it now, my my practice is to struggle out loud and it always brings uh so much to my world and so much to my uh commitment to contributing to the decolonization work that so many of us are doing. I I am deliberate and intentional about contributing to the work that people after me can get to and can feel through. Mm. So I don't want to get stuck with like the parts that I already know that you get it, you feel it. I also want to continue with, you know, the things that are present for me. So this is what this episode is about. And the, the, the thread is about resistance. So. New moons for me are always um, a good time 
to explore change and to change, like to embrace change. So new moons are about that though, in a particular way, as in to, to begin, um, or to add to the cultivation of new habits, right? Like in particular habits that are about shifting us away from schoolishness, you know, the bringing of more, more harmony into our lives. Because for me, fall or autumn, which is what's happening on the side of the world that I'm on as I'm recording this, um, fall is about harvest, which is a significant type of change. Um, it's, it's like a result, you know, a harvest is a result of something, um, in a way that all change, I don't know whether all change is always as a result of something, but I understand harvests and change in a particular way. And, and I use that particular lens on new moons sometimes. Um, so it's about change with the specificity of shifting away from schoolishness and bringing more harmony into my life. Um, the thing that makes harvest, harvesting particularly important and unique to me is that it operates in all parts of quote unquote time because harvest is about something you did in the past, right? You're, you're reaping the, the benefits of something that was planted. You know, you're sowing something, sowing seeds. So it's about something that happened before, but it's also fall and harvest is about a very clear preparation for the other season for winter, right? Um, when it's more about stillness, blankness, disorienting whiteness of winter, you know? Um, so it's about that thing that is an eventuality. It's not about possibly, like you're absolutely going to move from harvest season to some sort of stillness of winter, whether you call it winter or not, even if you're on, on an island somewhere, you know, in the Caribbean Sea. Um, there is still a, a season where uh, vegetation, that kind of life, and us, if we see it, are in a winter. And so you're looking at, it's about what you've done before, and it's about the benefits of having it right now, and it's about how it will sustain you so that, you know, you can use the upcoming winter season to slow into your shit, you know, like you're supposed to. <laughs> uh, and, um, that feels so parallel to my mother work as I understand my, uh, my calling, my work to be about raising free people and to, to speak to that, to contribute to that, to the ways that people before me have, uh, contributed to that, you know, to, to add to that, those contributions, um, and to help seed the contributions of people going forward um, and to name and honor the other people around me as I use this podcast to do all the time uh, who are also doing this particular type of work right now, right? So I, um, I feel in this season, I feel so close to the dichotomy of uh, summer just being finished. And that's my favorite season. And 
winter, which I would say is my least favorite or has been. I, I don't know about me now. We'll see. Because one feels like a slowdown. You know, winter used to feel like a slowdown that I didn't welcome. Whereas now I am so much learning, especially over the past two years, how much the slowdown is the get down. Like that's, that's what I've been fucking needing. You know, like, um, the way that a lot of people right now are noticing that their life was so fast paced with work and dropping the kids off here and picking them up here and not really talking to the kids and kids not really talking to their parents and grandparents. And now the numerous emails that those of us, you know, in public doing the work continue to get from folks, how the, this unplanned, unexpected, even unwanted, uh, slowdown, you recognize the benefits. People are like, Oh shit. I'm, I'm enjoying getting to know my kid. You know, the, that feels like a type of summer. Shit is blooming, popping, colorful. You see in new layers and shit. Like the first time in high school when I wore my glasses, <laughs> um, in public, because I used to put my shits on in class and then take them off. And then the first time, I don't even know what was happening. I was probably upset because that's usually, that's usually what moves me. Um, I, I wore my glasses, you know, out off the campus. Do you call it campus in high school? I don't know, off the grounds. And I was like, oh shit. Like it was so beautiful. Did I talk about this already on here? <laughs> I couldn't believe how many colors I wasn't seeing because I was like, I don't want to wear my glasses. Like, yo, that's, that's a whole meditation right there. Um, but it feels like that's happening now. And a part of that when I was wearing my glasses, in public is that I walked slower because there was so much more to see. You know, my, I was looking at things and then I could see how that would impact, um, my experience. My walk home was a different walk home because I could see shit differently. <laughs> um, and now people are recognizing, a lot of us are recognizing that to slow down is actually to have a much better vantage point. It's not about hustling up, hustling fast, doing more. It's to slow down. It's to examine. It's to, to prioritize the practice and not just like go through the process. Um, more of us are seeing the benefits of that, right? But then on the other part of that spectrum, that natural spectrum is the type of slowing down that feels like, mm, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I like that. Like, blanket, disorienting, vast whiteness of winter, um, all across my shit like that. Like, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know if I like that part. I don't know if I'm prepared for that part. And, and in our relationships, in our, I say, for me, I say mother work. Um, but in your fathering, mothering, communing with a kid, whatever that process is, uh, process is named as for you. How, what are you noticing that feels like a winter, an unwelcomed, vast unknowing? And I'll share some of the types of um, feedback that I've gotten from people or concerns that I've gotten from folks who've reached out over the past. Mm, I'll, I'll go recently. I'll go as recently as last week. Um, someone was noticing that they're really enjoying spending time at home with um, his children, right? He was really recognizing that and also recognizing that there's a, a shift that 
is going to come and maybe is already afoot (laughs) where it's like, well, I can't spend or don't even want to spend most of my day uh, observing my kid because then other things will die off. There are other things that I need to do or want to do um, or want, or I just want that space to not have anything to do um, in ways that are making me feel like somehow something is not enough. So in my summer, whatever I planted, whatever things I researched, whatever I read, whatever I purchased, uh, whatever I invested, whether that's intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, financially, you're looking at it now in this harvest season as, oh my gosh, right now it's good, but maybe it's not going to be enough when, when this thing shifts or when my kid looks at, you know, a, a screen for two hours longer than I think, or when I move out of this honeymoony phase of this unschooling thing, um, or, as I'm like, well, my kid is at a stage now, back to my earlier thing around resistance, uh, where they are, you know, baby adults and, and the way that they are doing things is bringing me to a space that feels like a winter, that feels like an unknowing, that feels disorienting, that feels, uh, blinding, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that has me reaching for things outside of me in ways that I, I'm speaking specifically about me now, (laughs) uh, that I am, that feels like when I first started recognizing myself and my family as unschooling, you know? It it feels like another version of that newness, like what the fuck all over again. In this instance, what I'm talking about is um, the way that, that I, over the last maybe seven or so years, have become kind of comfortable with uh, the flow, you know, of our decolonization work as unschoolers in terms of the adult child dynamic, the parent and, and child dynamic, um, really comfortable. You know, I don't struggle with a lot of things that, that I used to struggle with. Um, but now there are things where I'm like, oh, mm, but if you keep believing this and it'll fuck you up like that. So then I got to stop that shit. Or if you don't start believing this shit, then it's going to fuck you up like that. And then like you about to like leave and shit, you know, like <laughs> those things are so present. And so uh, my my resistance to what I'm noticing is not something that I label as like uh, bad, but it is so useful to struggle with it because what I'm resisting is like just being a partner and having the experience, which doesn't mean that I don't say things and assert things and have opinions. What it means is that I don't try to uh, make those opinions more important than what I am noticing or whatever uh, life experience my child is having that I feel like because it's uncomfortable for me, I should interrupt it. Um, and I do feel like there are things that we do need to interrupt, not because our discomfort in it is our indicator. That is our intuition. That is our fucking permission, um, to, to push. And it is rooted in the, the trust bond that we build with our kids over time where we know like everything ain't going to be no two day, two year conversation. Um, but consent is never off the table. Um, and again, our understanding of consent, look, listen back to some of our episodes as, you know, we've talked about how consent, um, is nuanced when you, when you are someone's parent or caregiver, because there are times and situations where you cannot wait on their consent because it isn't available, uh, based on, you know, what is happening with them. 
we, we have to name those realities and not be like, nope, no matter what, if they don't say yes, right? Like that's not, that is not always, um, it's not always as binary as that. Um, and with that in mind, we still need to go in the direction of consent at all times so that we get better and better at discerning when we are just in our adult bag and as opposed to in our partner bag. And so now, um, at 17 and 15, when they're kind of creeping into baby adulting, um, there are just some things that I have that sense of urgency around that reminds me of when I was like, wait, but she might actually be on the screen for too long. You know, back in the day, uh, the, you know, the energy of that struggle feels kind of like this one now. And I'm like, yeah, but if, if she doesn't change how she looks at that, you know, it, it could fuck up all these elements of how she does this, that, and that. So then I gotta, you know, <laughs> and then I move out of my, partnership space into more uh manipulative things that 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 leave consent on the back burner in a way that my practice allows me to name like I can't just put that down like I used to be able to and I'm like well right now uh they just need to do what the fuck I say you know I used to pick that ball up all the time and toss it at them and there are still times where that's the ball that that I toss um but my practice has allowed me to recognize it as a ball <laughs> and as a thing that I need to discern and not just like uh, default to tossing. And that resistance, when they bat that shit back at me, when I throw the ball and they're like, boop, like a volleyball, boop, with their fists. <laughs> um, and it like knocks me or it doesn't and I'm moving. I'm like, how the fuck are you going to throw the ball? Um, that, that sort of resistance ritual is... Um, is our education. It is so much of how I learn what it, what's, what's a story that I'm telling and what bag I'm in and how I can actually be supportive and when to listen and when to, to push, you know, when, when my resistance as the adult, um, is appropriate, essentially. So what, how I want to close this out, um, is to just ask you a bunch of fucking questions about resistance. <laughs> uh, because you know how I feel about mad question asking, right? You, you, if you've read Raising Free People, the book, you know how much there's a whole ass chapter about how mad question asking really continues to, uh, to offer that, um, ecology of accountability, uh, and direction and permission to unravel and to not know and to trust that and to fucking seek those spaces, um, to seek the shadows and the unravelings. Like mad question asking has been so much the portal of that. So it feels right. It feels right right now <laughs> to just close out this, uh, new moon change inviting out loud struggling, um, offering of an episode with a bunch of fucking questions about resistance so that you and I can feel through them hunting. So do we seek to resolve resistance? because we see it as a problem? Do we seek to resolve it like a problem or to read it like a map? 
Is resistance the problem or is it the map? What does it mean? What does all of that mean as I ponder that in relation to supporting my children's journey? How might my excavation, exploration, invitations around this help me not to force my children to accept something I feel that they should accept or believe or know? <laughs> Is resistance the roadmap? What is the history of resistance? What is my personal experience with resistance? How have I resisted and how has my resistance saved me? What has my resistance cost me? Back to the question of my personal experience with resistance. What is my personal experience with resistance in children? What am I willing to do with this experience of resistance? Yeah. What am I willing to do with this experience of resistance? I feel like that particular question can be good for in the moment, you know, when you're in the middle of a space of resistance with a kid, with a young person, um, that to pause and ask that question about what you're willing to do with it and maybe, and maybe what you're not willing to do with it. Uh, so for example, uh, am I willing to push back in this moment to even if the consequence is that uh, the kid shuts me out, they stop listening? Right. So that way you have a chance to, to be with your answer. Your, your actual answer, as opposed to the aftermath of making that decision without the benefit of, of that slowdown, um, to question. Uh, do I recognize questioning as my right? Do I recognize questioning as my responsibility? Um, do I recognize questioning as a beautiful, necessary part of how my children uh, evolve into themselves? If I were willing to agree or accept that resistance is always only a roadmap. Um, and that to take it in its rolled up state, um, even if when it was rolled up, it hit you on the head um, or poked you in the eye. To take resistance in its rolled up state is, is to not be in a position to raise and be free people. What if I viewed resistance as this rolled up map on thick ass paper that can fucking hurt when it hits or pokes 
but that when I open it up and lay it out, take a look at it and feel it, that it opens me up to so much more wisdom, so much more intelligence about what's going on and how I want to move, how I want to change, what my new moon shit might look like (laughs) if I were willing to open up this rolled up resistance and take a look, map it out. I appreciate you rocking with me on this. (laughs) I'm very curious about your feedback. So, um, you know, raisingfreepeople.com has the little voice memo thing on the right-hand side of the page. Um, If you're looking at it on a computer and then on a phone, I think it just pops up. I think it's also to the right, but you can leave audio up to five minutes. And um, you can also email me, she at raisingfreepeople.com. Instagram at Fair of the Free Child to um, let me know what what showed up as you listened. The show notes page, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 231 will also have some notes and links. Yeah. And next week we're moving into Fair of the Free Man Child season again for um, some episodes with Anthony and uh, some folks in his circle around manhood and masculinity. Um, And it is, man, as I was listening to the audios from that, um, that Anthony compiled and Chris is also listening to them independently because he's going to be on the the third episode in that round. So four weeks from now. Um, We've just been having such rich convo as a result of listening in to what they were sharing. And, and I'm so excited to, to bring that to you and, and to get your, um, your take on that and for that to be shared. So, yeah, um, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, you know, I'm over on patreon.com forward slash Akila. That is one of the main spaces to, um, support the work to make sure that our team can do this every week. So if you're feeling an episode, drop some coin in the river over there. And that link will also be on the show notes page. Thank you for listening and come back next week. (laughs) Fair of the Free Child is a weekly published podcast community centering Black people, Native Indigenous people, and people of color in liberatory living and learning practices. Through the portal of unschooling and the self-directed education movement, I, Akila S. Richards, and guests speak to and listen for the liberty of moving from schoolish to self-determined within ourselves, in our homes, and in how we become and raise free people.